Community groups, it's been a long time coming. Uh, we've been working on it very diligently for, since the beginning of this year. Uh, my title for this sermon is Community Groups, A Pathway to Belonging. When I was hired here uh, in 1991, I was hired as a small group pastor. And uh, so we have been doing uh, small groups of various kinds for many, many years. It's not like just today where we've started doing home groups. We've had a lot of people faithful to that ministry for many, many years. But today is something very special, and we thank God for it. Uh, as an introduction to this sermon, I want to show you um, some, I grabbed some Facebook pictures from our trip to Japan. Many of you know that we went to Japan in June. Uh, a team of us, Priscilla, my wife and I, went to Japan to lead a conference called the Unbound Prayer Conference. And I grabbed some pictures right off of Facebook. Um, the first Sunday that we were there, uh, we were about to go to church. Priscilla was heading to another church with a friend of ours, Sinai, and Amy and I were going to a different church. And Priscilla had already left, but she came and knocked on the door where we were staying, and she said, you, you need to go out. You, you got Right before church, you need to go downtown. We were in Higashi Kurame, which is a section of Tokyo, and she said, you can see Mount Fuji. You got to go. There's an outlook over there by the coffee shop. Go and check out Mount Fuji. So we took a selfie, which is what we do, right, in this day and age. And then I blew it up, and you can kind of vaguely see Mount Fuji. Mount Fuji is normally covered in clouds. And so it was an amazing time. We were there for the rainy season, and it was supposed to rain almost every day, and it only rained two or three days. And this day, God gave us this beautiful day that we got to see Mount Fuji. I was really happy. I was excited to be there. The next picture... <clears throat> This is the actual Unbound Conference. We had a number of people from all over Japan. Some woman came all the way from the Philippines. We had an amazing conference. The Lord did everything that we asked him to do. I was encouraged. Uh, the Unbound Prayer Model, we have a team already starting to develop there. God is answering prayer. It's extremely excited. I was happy on that day, too. It did rain on that day, but people still came. I was, I was very excited. The next picture, um, Priscilla and Sinai, they went down, to southern, down south in Japan. Amy and I took off, and we went up on the bullet train. We went all the way, real 200 miles an hour, up to Sendai, where we have missionaries that you know, uh, Matt and that Cummings. We, we hung out with them for three days. Again, God spared. He just decided he was going to give us a great gift. Beautiful weather, and we went to Matsushima Machi, which is the kind of the other upper part of Sendai. There's like 250 islands. We took this beautiful boat cruise, went all around these little islands. We had an amazing day. God just decided he was going to bless us in every single way. I was happy, happy, happy that day as well. Now, I don't know if you know exactly what I'm trying to do here, but I'm giving you a Facebook picture of my life. I'm giving you an Instagram picture of my life. I was happy all the time. It just was nothing but beautiful sunshine in Japan, and God could have not done anything better. That certainly is true. But wouldn't, what you won't know by looking at these pictures, these happy pictures that we put on Facebook, is that we had significant, at that very moment, both Priscilla and Amy and I had significant struggles on the home front. What you won't know by looking at these happy pictures is that we were struggling with major exhaustion from jet lag. You go to Japan and you're, you're about 10 days of jet lag and about three days when you're not, and then you come back home and you repeat it all over again. It's a tough journey to make, and we were very tired. And here's the thing. We were full 
of sadness over and over again as we heard the stories of the Japanese, mainly Japanese women who were emotionally abused, bullied, and largely forgotten by this society. But you can't see that on a Facebook post. There should be a rule for every five pictures, happy pictures, you know, you should tell one, like, this is what's really going on behind the scenes, right? But that's, that's not the way we do Facebook. Everybody would be really glum and sad, right? We put our, our best foot forward. That makes sense. But you wouldn't get, you're only getting one glimpse, one happy moment into our lives. But our lives are full of struggle, are they not? Yes. What you wouldn't know by seeing these pictures is that I struggle with loneliness. If you're close to me, you know that. I have struggled with loneliness as long as I can remember. Even in all the happy moments you and I have had together of 28 years, plenty of happy moments, but I still struggle with loneliness. I can't tell you how many times I feel disconnected from people. It's just the reality that I have to struggle with. And I think one of the reasons, is the, it's almost like this thorn in the flesh that God refuses to take away from me. And I think one of the reasons he does this is so that I can know what it feels like to be lonely. There's a lot of lonely people in this world. There's a lot of lonely people and disconnected people in this church. Community groups is one way that we will respond to this loneliness and disconnection. Community groups, a pathway to belonging. I want to belong. Is that the cry of the heart? I want to belong. I want to belong to a group of people that I can call community. My loneliness, your loneliness, is not the final chapter of the story. Amen. Jesus is. Amen. Jesus is the final chapter. And today we launch 11 community groups. I think that is worthy of some more praise. Amen. Let's give God some more glory for that. Again, a lot of these groups, uh, some of these groups have been already in existence and they're transitioning into the new model. We'll have a sign-up. After church, I'll tell you all about that at the end of the sermon. We will be in the book of Romans, the most comprehensive uh, view of the gospel in the Bible. And I encourage you, uh, Pastor Larry, encourage you as well to, uh, to watch a link of the Bible Project, a summary of the book of Romans. If you did that, you'll, you'll be able to really appreciate more of this sermon. If you did not have a chance to do that, let me summarize how Paul summarizes the first four chapters of the book of Romans and the gospel. Chapter number one, all humanity is trapped in sin and needs to be rescued. Chapter number two, rescue won't happen by trying to obey the law of the Torah and all the laws of the Torah. Chapter number three, God's righteousness has rescued the world through Jesus Christ, amen? amen. And chapter four, he rescued the world to create a faith-based, multi-ethnic family of Abraham. He made a promise long time ago to Abraham. I am going to make you like the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will be so numerous you can't even count them. That was his promise. A multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multi-racial family of Abraham. Amen. And so today we, we had this new humanity in the book of Romans. This new family for today I'm going to call it the new community. A multi-ethnic community of Abraham. Community groups, that's exactly what we're going after. Living out the new reality of Christ's new community. So let's stand together. We're going to be in Romans 15, 
chapters one, verses 1 through 6. Let's read these verses together. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Amen. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may live with one voice, glorifying the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that you would open our minds that we may understand your scriptures. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit upon me. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon each person here that we may hear what you have for us this day. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> the main idea that I want to get across to you, there is a, on the back of the bulletin an outline if you want to take notes. The main idea for today is that God creates a new pathway to belonging by creating a whole new community in Christ. God creates a new pathway to belonging by creating a whole new community in Christ. So if you are here and you want to belong He's going to tell you exactly how to do it in these verses. My first uh, point that I want to make, verses 1 and 2, is that we should please not ourselves, but please others. Please others and not ourselves. The book of Romans is not an abstract essay on morality or theology. It is a pastoral letter written with a pastoral heart addressing very specific situation in the church of Rome. Namely, this new multi-ethnic community made up of Jews and Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles coming together. You know enough about the scriptures to know they didn't really like each other all that much. But God had something different in mind. He put them together. And so there, there was naturally in, in the church of Rome some division, some conflict. Just think of this for a second. Think of it from the Jewish point of view. The Jews, they were the keeper of the traditions of God. They were the keeper of the promises of God. They were the keeper of the commandments of God. They were the keeper of the temple, the place on earth where God resided. Everything that was important to God, the Jews were in charge of. And then overnight, it's almost like Jesus changed the rules on them. It was like all of a sudden, there's all this freedom for the Gentiles. And the, the Gentiles come to Christ, and they're all about freedom in Jesus. And he gave them their spirit, which was obviously very confusing to the Jewish people. And so, like I said, the, the, the Gentiles focused on their freedom in Christ. They didn't focus on things like circumcision, on eating ceremonially clean meat, on keeping the Sabbath. To the Gentiles, one day was no different than another. To the Gentiles, they ate meat. They didn't care if it was ceremonial or clean or not. They just saw a good piece of barbecue, and they, had some, they just said, praise God, right? But the, can you imagine what it was like for the Jews? The Jews who came to Christ, very confusing for them in conflict. 
Now, the Jews, he talks in this scripture about the weak and the strong. And let's just make this very simple. You can read chapters 14 and 15 and get a broader understanding of this. You can go to the Bible Project and it'll tell you so much more. But for today, the weak are the Jews who think that all these things, circumcision and obeying the Sabbath, that that's what the gospel is all about. That's the weak, according to Paul. And the strong are the strong of conscience, is saying it's a new day. The gospel brings in a whole new era, and we're going to live out of the freedom of Christ. Now, what you would expect Paul, at least what I expect Paul to do at this point, is to address the weak and say, it's time for you to grow up in the gospel. You would think that he would say to the weak, it's time for you to mature in the gospel. But that's not what he does. He focuses his attention on the strong of conscience, especially on the Gentiles and the Jews who, are, who know it, their freedom in Christ. And he says, it's your job to please the weak. Now, that's a strange thing to think about. At first, when I think of pleasing the weak, I think of appeasing them, doing whatever they want, to do, want me to do for them. But that's not what this word means. The word please it's from the Greek word oresco. It, it means accommodate. And in, back in that time in the ancient Near Eastern world, it was used for honorary documents to express interest in accommodating someone by meeting their needs or carrying out important obligations. That's a very helpful thing for us to know because it carries the tone of special worth, of dignity. Those who are strong in the gospel are to show dignity towards the weak, towards those who are struggling. Dignity, a sense of worth. And we can just kind of globalize this at all, at all the way and say we are to be this way towards all people of the people of God. We are to be this way towards our own community, pleasing not ourselves, but those who are in front of us. Change is taking place at New Life Church, is it not? You can feel it. If you've been here for any time during the year, you know that change is taking place. Community groups, that's, that represents a lot of change. That represents a lot of conversations that we've been having since the beginning of this year. And like I said, we already have small groups in place. We have what we call home groups. And we've asked home group leaders, are you willing to transition into this new model? And that was a discussion that took us a long time. But in all of this, we are to prefer the other person. We are to please, accommodate, show special worth to another person in all this change. It's all about belonging. And you know, the challenge of the desire of belonging is, is, is this. Oftentimes with belonging, we focus on ourselves, don't we? When we are wrapped up in belonging, it's a, it's, it often we turn ourselves, our eyes towards ourselves. Let's go back to my example of loneliness. When I feel really lonely, when I feel really disconnected, the things that go through my mind are this. Why is nobody inviting me out for a cup of coffee? How come nobody's inviting me over for dinner? That person's going over for dinner. He got an invite. What about me? How come I'm not being invited out to lunch? And you can see where the focus is, right? It's me. Me, me. And the only thing that's ever got me out of those moments 
is when I've preferred somebody else. When I've looked to please somebody else in my loneliness instead of me. So I invite somebody. I think, who's, who's the most lonely person? Who's the most lonely person in my community group? Or who's the one that's struggling? I'll invite them out. Or somebody in the church. Or somebody else in my community. And then think about it. Something magic happens. They're less lonely. So am I. We are to please others and not ourselves. The, per, the greatest example of this, my second point, Paul, he's always trying to make an argument with us. He goes right to the point. The persuasive example of Jesus Christ. He says, if you want an example of this, just think of Jesus himself, who did not, who being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, Philippians 2. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. 2 Corinthians 8. And then even in this passage, he quotes Psalm 69, 9. And the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. That's David back in, this, in Psalm 69 as he's repenting and trying to make his way back to God. And people are mocking him. Not only are they mocking him, but they're mocking God. And he is willing to take on their reproaches, their insults. For the sake, it says, the, the zeal for my, my house has consumed me. All pointing to Jesus Christ, who was willing to take people's insults, insults aimed at God upon himself. He was our example of this. The reproaches of those who reproach you, God, have fallen on me. You see, Jesus is the ideal community member who is willing to accept insult for the sake of God's truth. That is our example Paul always has a good way of arguing things. At the end, he's like, let's talk about Jesus. He puts an end to all these things. Jesus' example puts an end to all divisions, all conflicts, all arguments. Because ultimately, he is the strong. And all of us are the weak. And he prefers, he pleases you and not himself. He pleases you and not himself. To the point of death on a cross. Amen. Amen. And so he builds this multi-ethnic community for us where we get a chance to do the same thing. It's amazing. Now remember this when you're at odds with somebody in your community group. Because we're going to sign up for community groups after church. We're going to go through the honeymoon period. We're going to be all lovey-dovey. We're going to have plenty of Facebook pictures. And then reality is going to set in. Because we're, we're still sinful human beings. We still struggle with this body of sin called the flesh. And people don't see things the way we see them. And the more multi-ethnic we become, the more multi-generational we become, people, we just don't see things the same way. And so there's the vision. And so in that moment, in that moment of friction, I want you to remember this scripture. The new community of God, belonging, a pathway, a new pathway to belonging. It goes right through Jesus Christ and his example. And then 
Paul takes a moment to comment on Scripture itself, so we're going to do the same thing. He said, for whatever was written in former days, that is the Old Testament, it was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of Scriptures, we might have hope. Through endurance and encouragement, we might have hope. You know, Scripture is as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. That is the way God designed his word. He designed it to speak to you today, even as he spoke to people thousands of years ago. Now, I've always had a question about that. Why in the world would God want to speak to us? The primary way he speaks to us is through a book thousands of years old. Not even written to our culture, written to ancient cultures like the cultures of the Hebrews and the, and the Greeks even in their languages that we had to translate. Why in the world would he want to do that? You know what the answer is? I have the answer. I do not know. <laughs> I do not know. The only thing, I was pondering this with one of the elders, and maybe it's about control. Maybe it's about we can't control God the way he wants to speak to us. God speaks to us in all kinds of ways, dreams, and speaking to our hearts, and all of a sudden, somebody's saying something to you. That's like the voice of God in my ears. There's just a multitude of ways he speaks to us. But the primary way he speaks to us is through the scriptures. Amen? Amen. Now, what that means is you got to read them. <laughs> it's not any more complicated than that. And it's one of the reasons why the pathway to belonging that we're talking about in these new community groups goes right through scriptures. It's one of the reasons... During the, the month of September, then in the new year, we're going to be talking about the sermons and the application of sermons. So this week, you'll have an application sheet. Your leaders will have that sheet, and you'll talk about this sermon. Because what do we do? We go, it's, that was a nice sermon. Pastor Tim, nice sermon today. Nothing wrong with that. I don't mind hearing some nice words. <laughs> but if you go home and quickly forget about it, it's not going to do you any good. I said it's a hard world out there, right? And plenty of us are struggling. I've been in pastoral ministry 28 years. Do you know how much pastoral care I've been a part of? Do you know how many sad situations I've been a part of? Broken families, broken marriages, drugs and alcohol addictions. People leaving their kids. Just I could go on and on and on. It is a hard, broken world. And when I'm ministering to people right in the midst of their pain, Oftentimes, I'll ask them if they're reading the scripture. And the majority of the time, you know what they say? I'm not in the word that much. Now, let's be clear about this. You can read your word all day long, and you're going to suffer. We know that there's suffering in this world. Scripture, reading scripture, doesn't mean you're not going to suffer. It probably means you're going to suffer more. But you're going to have the word of God in as you're struggling. I don't understand. I confess, I don't understand what it means to struggle and not go to the scriptures. I don't understand that. A little bit, a little bit. It's hard to read the scriptures. It's hard to understand the culture of the scriptures. So here's, here's my commitment to you today. I know this is Pastor Larry's commitment, the elder's commitment. If you want a simple way to read scripture and to understand scripture, just talk to me. I don't care if you've been a Christian forever. It took me a long time to get a handle on reading the scriptures. And I went to seminary. It's a hard thing. I think God makes it a little bit challenging. We don't mind going to the gym and being challenged, right? Lifting heavier weights. Well, that's what it is to be spiritually fed and 
and spiritually mature. If you don't know how to read the scriptures, that is not, you should not be ashamed of that. It is a hard thing to do. But if we are struggling and suffering and not reading our scriptures, we are shooting ourselves in the foot. We are tying both hands behind our back and then we're running at uh, Satan full force. And who do you think is going to win that battle? The pathway to belonging runs right through the scriptures, right, right through community. If you want to belong to God, you need to read the word. Because it's about belonging to each other, right? But primarily, first and foremost, it's about belonging to God. I may be the loneliest man on this earth, but I always have Jesus Christ. I always have my Lord and Savior right beside me, who gives me that precious word in Scripture right at the exact moment I need to hear it. Praise God. He is a good, good Father. He will talk to you. We just need to learn sometimes how to hear his voice. And all of this, all of this, the goal of all of this is to praise God as one. Verses 5 through 6. As is often the case with the Apostle Paul, he breaks forth into prayer and blessing as he focuses on the source of endurance and encouragement. He says, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? This is exactly where we got our first part of our mission statement. To worship God as one with the voices of the nations. Bam. It's right there. A pathway to belonging runs through Scripture, but it runs right through praise. It runs right through glorifying God. It runs right through telling him who he is and all of his greatness. I've noticed as I've heard kind of people pray, and it's not a judgment. I do it myself. There's a confusion sometimes between thanksgiving and praise. We use it simultaneously. Lord, I praise you and I give you thanks, and then we tell them what we give thanks for. It's really simple. Giving thanks is saying, God, thank you for what you did for me. Praise is, I glorify you for who you are. Amen. It's an important difference because we, God wants to be praised. He wants to be glorified. He wants to be thanked. But primarily, he wants to be praised. So I praise you, Lord, because you are the God of community. I praise you because you are the first and the last, the beginning and the end. You are the author and perfecter of my faith, of the faith of all of you. Lord, you are the great champion you are the one who will bring us home. You are the one who is coming again. You are Maranatha. Come to us, Lord Jesus. You are great in every way. You are powerful. Your right hand is mighty to deliver your people. You are the rock and the redeemer. Yes. We, are, we wait for you, Lord, to deliver us from everything that we need to be delivered in our struggling life. Amen. That is praise. And we owe it to our Lord. Look at everything he has done. Lord Jesus, you are the great and mighty Savior. You went to the cross, right hand, left hand, stretched out for us. For us, you are mighty. You are our Savior and our King forevermore, forevermore. Amen. The Lord is good. You are good. You are a good, good Father. That is who you are. That is praise. And we have to give it to the Lord. And here's the beautiful thing. We get to give it in this multi-ethnic community, this multi-racial community, this community of races with different ways of singing, 
We get to glorify God in so many different ways. It's amazing. It really is. The multi-ethnic community of Abraham, all nations lifting their hands and praising God. It's amazing. Let's not, let's not worry about what happens the rest of the day. Let's just pause. We serve an amazing God who is worthy of our praise. It's one of the reasons why we're, with all of this, we're trying to go after all this diversity. We would like to see these community groups as diverse as possible. And so when you go down and sign up for a group, start to talk to the team and begin to see where God has you. We can't legislate that. We can't dictate that in any way, but we can encourage it. And that's all I'm doing today. We want to encourage our community groups to be as diverse in as many ways possible. That's what we're going after because that is the vision of this congregation. I have this great quote from, from uh, the New Pillar Testament, New Pillar, uh, it's the Pillar New Testament commentary. It's a great quote. Don't worry about where it's from. Let me read this quote for you. The church was never meant to be a cozy club of like-minded people of one race or social position or intellectual caliber. Christians are not clones identical in all respects. One of the difficulties the church has always faced is that included in its membership are the rich and the poor, the powerful and the powerless, those from every stratum of society, the old and the young, adults and children, the conservatives and the radicals, people from a great number of nations are Christians and people of every temperament. The pillar, New Testament commentary. That's where it's from. Isn't that a great quote? That is what we're going after in these community groups. That is what we're going after in this church. God is raising up. It's one of the reasons I love living in Omni. I've lived here for 28 years. If it's not the most diverse section at any one given time, it's always up there. It is the United Nations of Philadelphia. So every day I walk out of my door and every day I go to work, I am walking into the United Nations. I get to see all nations, all people, all colors, all different kinds. And people, we are really unique, are we not? If you, if you roam around Omni, you're going, to see, we're going to, you're going to see some very unique people, including me. People are sometimes looking at me like, I wonder who this guy is. The United Nations affiliate. Do you, uh, think about where God puts you. Think, think about this church where God puts you. Do you know what a blessing it is to serve in Omni, the United Nations of Philadelphia? Not everybody gets an opportunity to do that, but you do. And so do I. It is a great privilege. I love living in Omni. And I have dedicated 28 years of my life. I hope to get, dedicate another 28 years. I guess that would require God to go back to like Old Testament time and let me live to hundreds of years. But um, we get to serve a great God who just is painting this beautiful tapestry of people. And we get to serve them in the community of Omni. Life is hard. It can be really, really hard. And we all need support. We all need the support of a loving community. We all want to belong, do we not? I have this quote. It's from Winnie the Pooh. And I have searched the great theologian Winnie the Pooh. Everybody loves Winnie the Pooh, don't they? Do they not? I have searched. I, I am pretty sure this is not from the book, so I apologize to you, Winnie the Pooh purist. It's not from the books. It's probably from Disney. It's probably from the TV show. That would be my best guess. But here's a story I want to end with. I think it really drives home what we're talking about. 
It goes like this. It occurred to Pooh and Piglet that they had not heard from Eeyore for several days. So they put on their hats and coats and trotted across the 100-acre wood to Eeyore's stick house. Inside the house was Eeyore. Hello, Eeyore, said Pooh. Hello, Pooh. Hello, Piglet, said Eeyore in a glum-sounding voice. We just thought we'd check in on you, said Piglet, because we had heard from you, and we haven't heard from you, and so we wanted to know if you were okay. Eeyore was silent for a moment. Am I okay? He asked eventually. Well, I don't know, to be honest. Are any of us really okay? That's what I asked myself. All I can tell you, Pooh, Piglet is that right now I feel really rather sad and alone and not much fun to be around at all, which is why I haven't bothered you, because you wouldn't want to waste your time hanging out with someone who is sad and alone and not much fun to be around at all, would you now? Pooh looked at Piglet, Piglet looked at Pooh, and they both sat down one on either side of Eeyore in a stick house. Eeyore looked at them in surprise. What are you doing? We're sitting here with you, said Pooh, because we are your friends. And true friends don't care if someone is feeling sad or alone or not much fun to be around at all. True friends are there for you anyway. And so, here we are. Oh, said Eeyore. And the three of them sat there in silence. And while Pooh and Piglet said nothing at all, somehow, almost imperceptibly, Eeyore started to feel a very tiny little bit better. Because Pooh and Piglet were there, no more, no less. That is why we have created community groups. Because we all want to belong, even in our saddest moments. Let's pray. Father, it is a marvelous day. It is a day of great rejoicing. You have raised up more community groups. You have been faithful for, with us at New Life Church to constantly have an expression of home groups. So we give you praise. And Lord Jesus Christ, above all else, we praise you for the cross and for your resurrection. That's what makes community possible. So, Lord, I pray that this celebration that we will have as we sign up for new community groups, even more importantly, as we get into those groups, we just pray it would be rich fellowship, the multi-ethnic, multi-racial, wildly diverse family, community, humanity that you have promised to Abraham. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. We're going to do...